0: Welcome to the mental health podcast. This week it's Loneliness Awareness Week. To recognize and celebrate the week, did a quick interview with Professor Sonia Johnson from UCL, who has a real interest in loneliness. Gonna now cut to that interview and you can have a listen at the discussion that I had with Professor Sonia Johnson. This week it's Loneliness Awareness Week. The first person that I thought of when I heard this was Professor Sonia Johnson. I've attended a few events on the subject to which Sonia has spoken that the mental health Andre Tomlin has taken beyond the room. Hi, Sonia. Hi. On your UCL staff page it says I am very interested in loneliness and social connections in mental health and I'm leading the UKRI cross-disciplinary network on loneliness and social isolation in mental health and have been involved in several studies in this area. So my first question today is can you introduce yourself and tell us where this interest on loneliness came from?
1: Okay well I'm a psychiatrist and a researcher at UCL and my research career and research interests have actually been quite broad I've tended to focus on a variety of things that seemed relevant for policy and relevant for clinicians and service users at the time so I've I've worked on quite a few areas. Loneliness is something that I'd kind of been mulling over for quite a few years before really doing anything about it. So I, before I did psychiatric training, I did a master's in social psychology and that's always really influenced me. And I guess I've always been really interested in the social influences on mental health and had thought for years that there wasn't nearly enough research and that we, you know, so obviously see people who are disconnected from other people, but that not much was really being done about that. But I I think for years, loneliness was kind of seen as a bit too abstract for people to get involved with it in clinical research. I remember when I first started mentioning doing research on it to some of my colleagues, they thought that was quite an odd thing to get involved with and said things like you know can you really measure that and is that really an an issue for clinical research and and I think that was kind of a bit and then shortly after that it really took off and now it's everywhere but but at the time I think it seemed quite strange to people but I just happened to have the opportunity of a, a PhD student called Jingyi Wang who came to do a PhD with me and it turned out that she couldn't do the things she'd been planning to do. She'd been planning to compare mental health services in Shanghai and London, and it turned out to be not really feasible to do that. So she and I were mulling over what she could do instead. And we came up with this idea that I'd sort of harboured for a while of looking at loneliness in a clinical population. And so we attached a measure of loneliness to a... To the course study which was ongoing anyway and, and that's how I kind of got started with that research area really and it's developed slowly I think that was I don't know about 2012 or something and since then I've gradually accumulated more projects and more postgraduate students although no really big trial actually I've had a few goes with colleagues like Bryn Lloyd Evans but we've yet to get a big funder to part with really substantial money perhaps they don't quite believe strongly enough yet that it's a a real focus for big clinical research we're hoping that'll change soon we've just submitted what we think is a really good application so fingers crossed.
0: Well good luck with that. Thanks. Uh, What is loneliness and do you have to be alone to feel lonely?
1: Loneliness is very much a subjective feeling that's the important thing about it or possibly several different types of feeling but all of them quite subjective. It's about basically having painful difference a painful gap between the sense of connection with other people that you would like to have and and what you feel you do have so yes you can you can certainly be lonely in a crowd it's uh, if you're surrounded by people but you don't feel really connected to them or that they meet your social needs then definitely you can be lonely around other people. And that's fairly frequent. So there is an association between social network size and whether people are lonely or not, but it's not a very strong one. It's a a relatively weak association.
0: So in normal times, how big an issue is loneliness and how does it impact on people's mental health?
1: Well, you won't be surprised to hear me say, I think it's quite a big issue it's possibly been talked up and having felt it was people were taking far too little notice of it a few years ago sometimes you almost feel the sort of fever pitch of there's an epidemic of loneliness and it's all to do with social media and that it can get a bit out of hand I think to the point where people almost expect to be lonely at certain phases in their lives or expect problematic loneliness at certain phases in their lives. I think one thing is it it's probably, I suggest everyone who's interested in this, reads a book called The Biography of Loneliness by Faye Bounds Alberti who argues that it, it very much is a product of sort of culture, more individualistic culture since the early 19th century. But it's a quite complex phenomenon that hasn't necessarily hugely increased just recently. And also parts of, I mean, it's something that most people feel at some point and that may well be, it's probably feeling a bit lonely at times, is quite a natural part of life and is, something that drives one to reconnect and so i I think we haven't quite got to grips enough with when loneliness is really a problem and it's probably really a problem if it's quite chronic if it's relatively severe but a lot of the studies at the moment they measure a degree of loneliness in the moment and they're not really identifying so far when loneliness is a real problem. And I think that probably will change. Having said that, I think we certainly know some things about its relationship to mental health that suggest it is a problem. We we know that people with all sorts of mental health conditions have quite high levels of loneliness which is, you know, it's a problem in itself, whatever it does for their prognosis. We also know that, at least in depression, that loneliness is both quite a substantial risk factor for becoming depressed, and also people who are depressed and lonely don't do as well as other people in terms of recovering. That's getting reasonably established for loneliness. Other types of mental health problem, there's not so much longitudinal research as yet. So we don't know so much about what the causality might be, but we certainly know that loneliness and mental health conditions are quite strongly related. And we also know that a lot of service users tell us that it is where we should be, looking to understand what's needed, that it is an important problem, really, in their lives.
0: Has the issue of loneliness changed due to the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: I expect it has, although it's not something that I've specifically been looking at. But I see there are starting to be research findings being reported that suggest that there's at least a group of people, some of whom were lonely before, some of whom not, who are reporting that as a major problem, particularly I think some younger people are reporting quite substantial loneliness. Have it, having said that, I, I think there's some ONS data published a couple of weeks ago, but that's a good source if people want to look what's happening in the population although it 's still the people being really severely lonely all the time is still a pretty small percent of the population it 's much more common to have some fleeting feelings of loneliness that perhaps may not be such a, a big deal really as, as far as people with significant mental health problems are, are concerned who I've been more focused on in the research I've done. There's not, I think, really big data analysis coming out to show us what's happened with them. We've been in the policy research unit, we've been talking to quite a lot of staff, well, we've been getting data from a lot of staff across the country about what they think are problems from the service users and carers whom they see and we've we've also been looking at what's been written about this and and certainly it seems like for some people loneliness and isolation are currently big issues as you'd expect particularly being cut off from family members for older people who may be very dependent on visits that they're not getting also quite struck actually that both from a staff point of view and from what Service users have been writing. Loneliness in hospitals seems to be quite a big issue at the moment. That in psychiatric hospitals around the world, people are very much cutting down levels of contact with other people, both with staff and other patients, and with also visitors and on community visits that people have while they're in hospital. So actually, being in a psychiatric hospital. Can suddenly be a really much more isolating experience than it was before. Which I think, given that people are quite often compulsorily detained there, and given that you know, they're supposed to be recovering from mental health prob- from acute mental health problems, I think that's a problem to look at urgently. I do also hear just talking to people and and reading what what people are saying some people with severe mental health problems who seem to be coping relatively well with the current situation and and some people are finding they're actually maybe more connected with other people around them because of the different ways people are making connections now or, or they feel that you know actually isolation is something that they're used to and we're all kind of in the same boat now and they perhaps feel they actually do have some coping skills that they can mobilize so while there's not really a lot of very formal research data on it i think it's fairly clear there's going to be quite a range of responses to the situation as you might expect
0: the Awareness Week organisers, the Marmalade Trust, are this year hosting a virtual campaign as the pandemic has stopped the possibility of face-to-face events called One Less Lonely Voice. They say we are taking the one out of loneliness to signify one less lonely voice. Have you got any tips and advice for mental health professionals for how they can play their part?
1: As far as what you can do if you're a mental health professional's concerned, I think a starting point really is to talk to people about the issue. I think certainly when we started doing research on it, I became aware that loneliness was something people found it quite hard to discuss with service users. I think it's it's quite stigmatized and something, I think now it's come more into conversations that people have but certainly i think a few years ago it was quite hard to ask about it so i guess as a starting point for mental health staff is to talk about it with the service users they see and and then i think if we can start making more innovative use of technology within mental health services there's maybe some good things we can do for people who've got really isolated at the moment so we've as you know been doing this big staff survey on on the pandemic and what's happened and it's clear there's been a big shift towards using remote technology as you might expect but it's very patchy and Some people are using it in really innovative ways, like setting up support groups or peer support groups or social groups online. Some people are also trying to break through the isolation people are experiencing in hospital by technological means and by making sure people are connected during hospital admissions. I think these are areas in which hopefully we can look at examples of stuff that's working well and try and introduce some good practice quite quickly to try and break through people's isolation and loneliness
0: and for any people listening who aren't health professionals what can they do
1: Well, it's quite a a hard question, but looking at the evidence base, I'm not sure what, what evidence there really is. But I guess one thing that's occurred to me since starting to work on this is that there's a lot of evidence, really, that social relationships influence both our physical and our mental health a lot and i'm not sure that and you know people are kind of trained to think about their physical health and think about maintaining physical health and diet and exercise and and all that and i guess there are potential benefits maybe particularly for younger people in also teaching people to focus on social connections and social relationships, not as a sort of nice to have extra thing, but as something that's really essential to a healthy life and, a, and obviously to a happy life. And, and maybe if we could help people think about it, I mean, I think for people with severe mental illnesses where stigma is a big issue, there's far more to it than that. It's, it's not that they're just not paying attention, but I think certainly if people generally went through life thinking that maintaining social connections is a, a really central part of, of staying well and, and looking after themselves, it, it could help a bit really.
0: Well thanks for your time today Sonia and for sharing your valuable insights. Best wishes for all the work that you're doing including at the Mental Health PIU and thanks a lot.
1: My pleasure, thanks very much.
0: I'm now joined by Vanessa Garrity, one of our excellent Mental Health Nursing Journal editorial board members and a leading light on we mental health nurses. Hi Vanessa.
2: Hello thanks for having me here.
0: Oh it's okay and obviously it's great to see you again. Obviously I'm seeing you quite a lot at the moment because we've been doing what we think is a really successful Mental Health TV, MHTV. Have you been enjoying being involved in that programme?
2: Yeah I think it's brilliant. We've had some really interesting interviews so far and lots of um, lots of discussion and interaction haven't we? So I know we've got quite a packed schedule of, um, of interviews coming up as well in the next few months so it's been great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that we thought about bringing MHTV out was a real desire to connect the mental health nurse community together. Normally, it can be a bit of a fractured profession, but certainly in the time of COVID and the inability to get together socially, inability for our national committees to get together face to face on a regular basis. It's just another way of kind of having that conversation. I know, obviously, you've been hugely involved in the We Mental Health Nurses Twitter community. I suppose that has the same ideal, really, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I think I've always had a passion for as a mental health nurse making events more inclusive because I think the problem is that a lot of nurses who work in clinical areas just don't get the opportunity and there's a massive disconnect between research, policy and clinical practice. So for me, social media has always been about allowing mental health nurses and other people working in mental health to hear from some of the leading lights and experts on mental health but also as a way of engaging a broader audience in the discussion. So, Berlin, never with people who live there experience and people who are sharing their expertise on mental health because you just wouldn't get that offline you wouldn't get that richness of conversation so I think for me whilst we've been doing the Twitter chats for a very long time now quite a few years and obviously I do be on the room as well where we go and we share what's happening in events online so that people can participate but I think the MHTV brings it to another level doesn't it because it's just great being able to see people's faces and as you say particularly at the moment during in COVID, where people are feeling really isolated, which of course links to the discussion we're about to have on loneliness, it's great to see people's faces, isn't it? And to feel more active in the discussion. And a couple of weeks ago, for example, being able to interview Rachel Bowes who's a nurse in Australia, was just fantastic, wasn't it? To get that perspective as well from the other side of the world through the use of technology. So yeah, I think it's a great thing, and I'd encourage people to um, to watch it and get involved.
0: Yeah, and you may. There are a couple of really interesting points there. One of them, uh, you mentioned that your work with Beyond the Room. Obviously, in the interview with uh, Sonia, I mentioned my awareness of her work around loneliness came from uh, Andre Tomlin, uh, the mental health. He's done work with UCL and Sonia on loneliness and, and that's where I first heard the conversation around the links between loneliness and mental health and one of the mental health question time events that happened I think last year it's funny because in putting the show notes together for today's episode I looked back at a little bit of that event on YouTube and I'll put a link to the YouTube video in the show notes it was really funny to remember times when we could get together face mm. to face to have conversations I think one of the the best contributions to that day was a friend of ours, Mark Brown, who spoke really articulately and eloquently about loneliness. Uh, And I think, again, sort of tying that together with Mental Health TV, he was involved in the first episode and, and kind of talked about how, in a way, we're being uh, forced to be socially excluded at the moment with lockdown. But in some ways, some of us are being much more attached with the, the use of social media. And whereas people have seen it as a negative, Maybe it's come to be a bit more of a positive when we've not been able to leave our houses. And like you say, in terms of the conversation that we had with Rachel, it's so fascinating, isn't it? That whereas I can't take my children swimming at the moment, for example, we can have a conversation with a mental health nurse that's Mm -hmm. the other side of the world. And, you know, no no delay. And it absolutely fascinating. So in terms of your work as a mental health nurse, how aware have you been of loneliness?
2: Yeah, well I think it's an interesting thing. I think like Sonia said, um loneliness is um is a very subjective um feeling often, isn't it? So it's how you feel. So for me, psychological loneliness is about not feeling connected to other people. And of course, you know, you can be, as the saying goes, in a crowded room but still feel lonely. And I think that's very true. But of course, I think there are also real social inequalities and determinants that that link to loneliness as well. So for example, people who've got serious difficulties might not get out of the very much that um, might be excluded from a lot of the digital technology. So, you know, at the moment during COVID, we're talking about people feeling more connected online. And of course, you know, that's brilliant to use technology, but not everybody has access to technology. So there are lots of people who don't feel part of that and who are still feeling lonely and covid on one level it's a leveler isn't it that we're all in this together and that we're all feeling lonely and we're all isolated but there's clearly a lot of differences between our experiences so you know an older person or a disabled person who's shielding and literally not able to go out and see anybody at the moment might feel more lonely than um, you know a family of people living in a house together who are able to have that interaction with each other still and I think I was watching the party um, chat on loneliness Week, and I was reading some of the comments on that from people who are participating. And one of them struck me was about perinatal mental health, because that's my clinical background and it was talking about how women are obviously having to have um, give birth on their own without the partners there and then if there's any complications they have to stay in hospital and of course the connection isn't there with midwives and and other healthcare professionals in hospital because of the risk of infection and then new mums are going home and of course they're not able to celebrate their babies with the families and then it was also saying whilst it's clearly an increased risk factor then for perinatal mental health difficulties it was and I don't know if this is true or not so it'd be interesting if anyone's listening who can tell us this but it was saying that a lot of perinatal mental health services at the moment are working in mental health and there aren't the same access to perinatal mental health services so that was quite an interesting perspective for me and quite a concern. Having worked in prisons I know that at the moment a lot of the prisons have been on lockdown which means that mental health nurses can't go over to cells to see people. So, a lot of the health interaction is over the phone, so of course, if people are in the cells all the time they're not they can't have access to um to friendships that they might have made within the prison that help you know help keep them going and help them survive so you know that really concerns me and and isn't here that you know rates of self harm have gone up since covid within prison, so I think there's lots of different angles to it. There's lots of angles to it pre-COVID in terms of thinking about people who were isolated. And I know Sonia mentioned quite a few of those scenarios, but I think there's also a lot of situations that are very specific where I can see loneliness as a real issue. On a positive, I can see that there's lots of ways that we can maybe learn from the things that we've done during COVID and take some of those things forward. So, for example, again, the use of technology. Um, Sonia meant about for example using technology on mental health wards. Now I know for five to ten years I've had discussions on Twitter about people who've had their technology banned from them while they've been in hospital. So I think it's really interesting that mental health nurses and other mental health professionals are now using technology in a hospital setting to enable people to stay connected with friends and family outside of hospital when we weren't able to be COVID. So I hope that practices like that are going to continue because whether COVID is here or not, going into a mental health ward is still a time when you're going to be isolated from friends and family, particularly if you're detained under the Mental Health Act. So if we can use technology in a positive way to enable people to stay reconnected throughout the stay, then, you know, that's got to be a positive thing.
0: I'm glad you mentioned prisons, because it was going to be an area that I was going to raise. In relation to uh, one of the comments that you made on last week's MHTV, uh, Mm. that was an episode that we did around research. And you mentioned about the impact of COVID and lockdown in prisons. I heard a very interesting podcast from the Guardian team where they interviewed a guy who'd just come out of prison and was asking about his experiences. Uh, And what was most interesting was he was uh, a person that was involved in trying to rehabilitate prisoners whilst in prison. And as you say, when COVID hit, all that work stopped happening. So again, that kind of rehabilitative positive work that is really critical to getting prisoners rehabilitated and back out into communities yeah. in a positive and supportive way has been completely dropped during Covid and I think again when we look at the way that parts of the health service and mental health service have arguably had to be shut down during the last three months actually the loneliness and isolation that that has caused and whether that it will be storing us up significant problems for the future so thinking you know prisoners like you say people that are detained under the mental health Mm -hmm. act but also you mentioned about you know mums going home from hospital with a a new baby and again you know another podcast that I've been listening to has been a comedy podcast about lockdown parenting with Josh Widdicombe but highlighting quite nicely the the role that dads have during lockdown and again some of the research that came out this week about dads in lockdown in in some families are actually having a greater opportunity to be with the children and and to be involved in in caregiving and it's interesting because next week we'll be doing an episode on father's mental health because it's international father's mental health Mm -hmm. day i I believe next monday so Mm -hmm. uh, just encourage people to keep an eye out for that Vanessa, one of the things that you mentioned was the Labour Party did a coffee morning on Zoom earlier this week. And that was with Keir Starmer and Dr. Rosina Allen-Kahn. Did you have the opportunity to watch along as I did?
2: Yes, I did. I thought it was a really interesting discussion. And I particularly liked the stuff that the Joe Cox Foundation were talking about. And that was really important and um, and I know they were talking about the great get together which I think is this weekend isn't it which is um, a sort of pledge for everybody to do something to help in terms of people who are feeling lonely whether that's to phone somebody arrange a zoom session with somebody and just generally have that connection and I think that's really important and of course it's much more challenging at the moment to do that but I guess that makes it more important than ever doesn't it that people reach out to each other um, it was a really interesting discussion. I think um, one of the things that struck me was that everyone on the panel was white and I did think about um, black and minority ethnic communities. I thought about you know communities such as refugees and people who are generally removed from their sort of cultural context and I think particularly important at the moment given you know the, the high rates of uh, BME people who were dying from COVID and the number of people who at the moment Uh, having to shield because of Covid so I think that was maybe for me like a gap in the session Um, but I don't want to be too critical because I do think it was um, a really good session and it brought out some really interesting points.
0: I think it showed strongly the positive and negative of social media that on the one hand it was connecting I think nearly 2,000 people at one point uh, on a really really important discussion about loneliness but then if you looked in the, the chat function Whereas there were some really heartfelt expressions of loneliness or concerns about, you know, relatives Mm -hmm. or friends or other people that were lonely. It was also combined with a a whole host of grievances being aired against either the Labour Party or each other and you know it was a a real shame really that the conversation about such an important issue can be hijacked with what may be legitimate concerns and issues but shouldn't be being hijacking a really important discussion on loneliness so I thought that was a really fascinating insight into that and it's still available online for anyone to go and uh, watch themselves and again we'll put a link in the show notes so anyone can go and find that. One of the things that I did want to ask you about was about uh, health professionals feeling lonely because of their experiences during mm-hmm. COVID. That process of coming home after a shift and feeling quite lonely with the issues that you had to face that day, even if you're surrounded by people in your family that would be willing to speak and listen, but having to deal with that and process it yourself. Last week, a report came out that highlighted the high rate of female suicides in nursing and Mm. the impact that such a a draining job can have on people's mental health. In this week of loneliness awareness, we should think about reaching out to nurses. Is that something you'd agree with?
2: Yeah, I think um, things like, um, you know, nurses who've um, been separated from the children because they've been working on wards where there have been high rates of COVID and are clearly, you know, a way of protecting the children, but also being disconnected for weeks and weeks with the families must be really, really difficult. So I think that's something for me that I've been thinking about. But I've also been thinking about some of the lonely healthcare professions. So GPs, for example, that are working on their own for long, long periods of time. I've also been thinking about the police and how difficult that must be at the moment, particularly, I guess, in more rural areas, I've been thinking about, you know, paramedics, people who are on the road a lot, basically, um, must be very, very challenging at the moment. And of course, as we've said, people who are in healthcare professionals, but then are also on their own nurses who are single parents, for example. I think loneliness is probably the risk factor. But then I think it's also looking at some of the other complexities in a person's life. So for some people, for example, a GP might be working on their own for long hours and and be lonely, but then they might go home to a really supported family environment. I suppose what concerns me is where you've got a professional that is working in a lonely way and then he's going home and is living on their own as well and doesn't have much contact with other people. I think those range of factors are, are obviously quite a concern at the moment and i hope that people are are thinking about how to address those i know there's been a lot of zoom discussions and things like that that people can participate in but not everybody wants to participate in digital technology and not everyone has access to it so it is an issue for us to think about and it's probably an issue to think about going forward when we're thinking about trauma that people have experienced during this time and how we address that
0: and certainly one of the things that i've been keen to do i'm clear is in my communications with MHNA members, which have become more frequent during COVID is to say if members do need someone to speak to, then they've got my contact details. And I know We Mental Health Nurses another place that is never afraid to have conversations with people. So one of the messages that I would want to extend to our members is if you do feel lonely, then reach out.
2: I would agree with you. I think if you feel lonely, reach out for support, whether it's virtual or through phoning a colleague or friend or family. But also if you're someone who's not lonely, reach out and think about people who might be lonely and what you can do to offer to help, even if it's just a friendly phone call. These things make a big difference for people, particularly at the moment.
0: Well, Vanessa, thanks for your time today. Obviously, I'm next going to see you when we do the live recording of the next MHTV, which is going to be for student mental health nurses, a group that may feel quite lonely at the moment. So hopefully that will be another avenue of support that they can look towards. So uh, thanks for your time today, Vanessa, and I will see you very
1: soon.
2: See you then. Thank you.